prepare to turn right. Turn right episode four. Yes, four. I'm waiting for the episode where I like forget what episode I'm on because I've done so many. <laughs> That's really just wishful thinking, but it's fine. For now, yes, we are in episode four. Uh hope you're all doing well. Okay, I'm so excited about this episode. I'm so excited. So I wanted to do something a little different, you know, switch it up. And perfect because Around a week ago, I got an email. Y'all know where to email. Prayer to turn right podcast at Gmail. And I got an email, right? And it is from my dear friend, Aaliyah. Hey, Aaliyah. Hope you're listening to this. Um, so we and I are friends, but we do not agree on things at all. <laughs> I guess just exhibit one in this whole podcast that I you know, want you to get out of it is that you don't have to agree with people that you're friends with. We disagree on virtually everything, and I think we disagree on more things every day. But we're still able to be friends. We're still able to debate and have good conversations. So for all of you out there who are saying that half the country is evil, either side, I'm addressing both sides, saying that everyone who disagrees with you just is a terrible person and you can't talk to them, that's not true. Um, but, I, but that does not mean that we don't debate. We do debate, and... She sent me an email. It's on episode two. Like, it's on the topics of episode two. So, you might have to, like, just, like, rewind a little bit and remember what they were about. But, um, basically, she just, you know, sent me her thoughts. (laughs) I'm so excited. But the second thing I wanted to say is what I want to do with this episode is I don't want to just, like, respond to the email. It's very long. I haven't opened it, which I'm going to get into. I want to tell you how I debate and I'm not claiming to be like a debate expert someone who's perfect at debating someone who went to school for this or took a class on this or knows what they're doing no nothing like that but I do debate a lot a lot of times with Aaliyah um but I do debate a lot and I think over time anyone just even if I'm not an expert, I've just found strategies and I found things that work and I figured out how to like pick apart arguments and things like that. So what I wanted to do with this is I wanted to show you how I debate in real time. So I haven't opened this. I opened it and I saw the very beginning. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I saw the, like the first argument she made. So I like had a lot of time to like ponder over what I was going to say for that, which I have a lot to say. But other than that, I haven't seen any of this because when you're debating, yeah, sure, you do your research and you have all your facts laid out in front of you and even before I do a podcast episode I have all my facts I've got everything there but what I want to do for this is what you really do in a debate is you don't know what questions they're going to ask yeah again you have your information but you really have to think on your feet and that's such a fundamental part of debating is figuring out how to quickly tear apart arguments and quickly pinpoint different things that you can respond to so it would be bit dishonest if I read through this whole email and planned out all my responses beforehand because that's not how it works and again I want to as I'm doing this more than answering and responding to these counterpoints that Aaliyah sent me more than that I want to explain to you my thought process right explain to you how when you're debating someone again either side this isn't specific to one side how when you're debating someone how you can pick pick apart their arguments and find their fallacies and figure out how you can respond and sound intelligent so that's really 
what I want to do here, you know? So even if I'm like, okay, like, I don't have a perfect answer for this, I would say, I'm going to say, like, okay, if someone says this to you, here's what you should, like, here's what you should think about, you know, or here's the questions you should ask them, even if you don't have a perfect response. I'm not going to have perfect responses for all these because I haven't prepared, like, specific topics, you know, I'm just seeing what she talks about, you know, I haven't prepared all my statistics or whatever, but let's get into it again I have I do know the first point she makes because I did see it but I'm so excited I love debating if you guys probably know that so let's just open this email that was really anticlimactic didn't open okay let's just scroll and see how long we got a lot to cover here so let's let's start from the beginning so again I'm gonna read word for I might censor a few things (laughs) but I'm gonna read word for word so one, skepticism. At 238, the podcast says, skepticism is always a good thing, and then proceeds to say, wait until something is proven to be true. Of course, we have an innocent until proven guilty mindset. Okay, this is about the 10-year-old rape case, which I talked about in episode two. Um, in the case of a 10-year-old girl being raped, you should not have that mentality anymore. When someone tells you they're raped, you don't say, well, I don't know, so I'm going to wait and see what the court says about it. What the heck? <laughs> It's not good to have a healthy dose of skepticism, especially when you hear about this type of stuff. The immediate response should be, that's disgusting, that man needs to be arrested immediately. The fact that Republicans, ignoring the ones that straight out said she was a liar because you condemn them, but what the heck, were skeptical shows a lot about their morality. Okay, so again, because I did see this first point, I had a lot of time to think of some things to say, but the first thing you want to do when you're debating someone, the most important thing you can do is do not let them mischaracterize your argument. Do not let them mischaracterize. There's a, something called a straw man attack, right? A straw man attack is basically where the person will act like they're giving you some big response, but really they aren't actually addressing what you actually said, right? So... Like if so, if you were to say that you care about something and they when they were to extrapolate that and say, well, you don't care about this or like, well, does that mean this? Like they're mischaracterizing your argument. They're changing what you're saying in order to make it seem like it's this huge win for them, right? That's what a straw man argument is essentially, is they're attacking something, attacking a straw man, attacking something fake that isn't actually your argument. So the most important thing you can do when you're, when you're debating is do not let them do that. Do not let them mischaracterize you. Call them out every single time. So the first thing I have to do is call you out. Love you, Leah, but I do have to call you out. That's not what I said. And you can go back. You can listen to what I said. I remember exactly what I said. I said... First of all, this was before, this is really my main point, but this is before, when I, what I was saying, like, healthy dose of skepticism, because she quoted me, right, which is, I'll give you credit there, that, Aaliyah, you did quote me, which is a very good debate strategy, is, I mean, don't take it out of context, but, like, feeding people their own words is good, because um, they can't really argue with it, but, so just to read what you said that I said, skepticism is always a good thing, wait until something is proven to be true. So, what I meant by that, and what I said very clearly This was before any facts came out, right? People were saying, let's wait for the facts. We didn't have a name of a rapist, alleged rapist. We didn't have the name of a victim. We didn't have anything but a a state. We had the word of one abortionist, right? Not not the word of the victim, not the word of the victim's family, not an arrest, not an official arrest documentation. We just had one abortionist's word, And we had a state where this person was from and a state where they went. That's all the information we had. So, of course, I'm going to be skeptical. I'm going to say, let's wait for the facts. Would I ever say that to this girl's face? Of course not. 
And once we got that information, this man hasn't been present been he admitted to it, but like he hasn't actually been sent like proven guilt, like proven guilty or like sentence or anything. Um, but this man hasn't like been officially found guilty, right? And I'm still condemning him now. So it's not about, it's not at all about that we cannot say anything. We have, to, we have to just completely disbelieve everything until the person's actually proven guilty. No. And that this is where there's a huge distinction. There's a distinction between the court of public opinion and the court of law. In the court of law, you are innocent until proven guilty. No exceptions. I don't care if it is obvious that you're guilty. I don't care if DNA evidence proves it. You must have a fair trial. That is just the way our country works. So that in that case, innocent until proven guilty. What I mean about the court of public opinion and about being skeptical is that in the court of public opinion, things are a little bit more wishy-washy, right? If you there's an allegation that comes out against someone that has been pro- hasn't been proven proven to be true yet, but any logical person will have some kind of skepticism, right? And people obviously people close to that person will probably be like, oh, like it's not true. But most people will just will not completely say, yes, it's true, yes, it's false. And again, that's why I said, which which you gave me credit for that I, I said, I'm going to say you, Aaliyah. I'm talking to everyone, but I'm talking about Aaliyah. Anyway, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, you, you, which you told me that I, I condemn those people who said it was false. Yes. But with having skepticism in general, right? So that means being skeptical that this person is actually innocent. Because again, this is court of public opinion. This isn't a court of law. So yeah, do I think this person's guilty? Besides for the fact that they admitted to it, am I inclined to believe that this happened? Am I inclined to believe this man is guilty? Yes. Does that mean that he should be assumed so in court? Of course not. You have to go through all the facts and everything. But on the other side, and this is, it's such an important distinction because I think people just completely don't properly characterize this argument. But on the other side, for believing victims, of course, I'm inclined to believe them. That's most people I think are. And I think people that aren't, uh, I'm not sure what to say about that, but I think a lot of people really are inclined to believe it. Again, court of public opinion, not court of law. Court of law, you are innocent until proven guilty. Again, no exceptions. But besides for the fact that I'm not talking about this specific case, when, when I, what I was talking about was that we didn't know a case. Again, we had one abortionist's word. Abortionist isn't the victim. The abortionist, we didn't have the victim's name, perpetrator's name. Again, we didn't have any information. But besides for that, even if we did have all the fact, um, all the information that was being told to the public and everything, and again, I'm inclined to believe that victim. But that doesn't mean, and this is kind of extrapolating to a larger cultural ill and a larger societal issue, that doesn't mean that this person can't have a fair trial And this doesn't mean that we can make it fact, right? That doesn't mean that you can call anyone who has an allegation against them a rapist or a child molester. You can't. You can think it and you can distance yourself from that person until more facts come out. That's totally fine. If an allegation comes out against someone, I am totally for, you know, suspending them, administrative leave, distance yourself until the facts come out. I'm fine with that. But just completely demonizing them and again this is nothing to do with the original case anymore because at this point this point again we didn't even have any facts we didn't have a person we didn't have an alleged rapist we didn't have a victim anything but just again i'm speaking as a general point to completely demonize this person from society and 
just completely assume that they automatically are guilty is also a flaw, I think. It's also a bad thing to do. But just to go back to my original point, again, if you if I was debating and this point was brought up, I would bring up all those points, you know, I would explain the distinction between the court of public opinion and the court of law and different attitudes that must be had in each one and the distinction between those two things. But I would also, again, call out the mischaracterizing your argument. I was not referring to not believing a 10-year-old rape victim Of course I do. That's nothing to do with it. It was this story that had no victim. It had no perpetrator. We didn't have facts. And I'm not saying, again, I wasn't not, I'm not saying that this means it doesn't happen. I'm saying wait for facts. Again, in that case, being skeptical and waiting for more information is always a, is always a good thing. It's always a healthy thing to do. And then once more facts come out, that skepticism goes down and to the point where now everyone pretty much believes what happened, you know, but just blindly following things without actually waiting for facts is the key issue here. So let's read. Um, And I think, I, I feel like there's more I could say about this, but I think I got the point across. And again, when you're debate, I'm really just trying to explain my thought process of what I'm, how I debate. Two, 10-year-old girl. At 6.04, you say that Ohio's abortion law only covers the life of the mother in serious bodily harm or before the heartbeat, and then proceed to say that a 10-year-old girl can't reasonably carry without risk to their life? First of all, this is making me so triggered right, <laughs> right now. Second of all, what? So you're telling me that not only should this 10-year-old rape victim go to the doctor appointments to see how for far along she is, but also a court case? to see if she can reasonably carry it without harm and if it goes against the law. Forcing a prepubescent, first of all, can't be prepubescent. Definitionally, if she's pregnant, she can't be prepubescent. Um, that's just one point. <laughs> but 10-year-old um, would go to, re- to re- relive that experience over and over in case it wasn't traumatizing enough. Okay, so, again, that's not what I said. And both sides, and I'm not going to blame one side or the other, but both sides just so often engage in straw men attacks that completely miss the point. I wasn't saying it as we should do case by case. I said we we need to, you know, establish that. I think that's something that should be enshrined in law. I'm very kind of for that, I guess. So I think, and it's never had to be enshrined in law because we've always just had these exceptions. I mean, we've always just had abortion be allowed and it was always just, you know, like it was always like that. Um, but now that we're having this serious discussion about abortion is not going to be as common as it used to be, we need to, I think, have these conversations. Okay, 10-year-old psychologically, emotionally, physically can't carry a child, so what's enshrined that in law? Someone below this age, automatically, boom, abortion, right? And of, of course, like, I don't think it's always that black and white, like, the way I phrased it, but I think that's the, that's the idea, Right. I never said anything about a court case about having to have her relive it over and over. I never said any of that. that and maybe I wasn't clear because, again, that to me, I, I wasn't you know, elaborating. I was just making a point on, um, on a broader issue about that case. But just I think that, yeah, like first, that's a discussion we have to have 100%. And two, yeah, let's, if you wanted to not be in case by case, let's enshrine it in the law. Great. And this is such an important thing when you're debating is wherever you can find common ground, find common ground. It doesn't mean sacrificing your values because I'm a pro-life person. That is a value I have. 
I also have Jewish values and Jewish values on abortion are not 100% never abortion. There are certain cases, just like most religious people would say, there are certain cases where abortion is allowed. So I'm not sacrificing my values, but I am going to find common ground because you'll find that you agree with people more than you think you do, right? So I think we both agree that a 10-year-old rape victim should not have to carry their child. Um, I just don't see a world in which that would be okay. So, and again, we'll ha- we have those discussions. We have to have those discussions now more than ever. But again, I did not say anything about an individual court case, about reliving experience. Not, I didn't say any of that. So that's just one thing. Um, you think rape should be normal, ex- normal exception, so you're in favor of, fur- wait, what? So you're in favor of further traumatizing rape survivors and victims. Essie, what you said at 638 about girls not being able to mentally go through this is 100% true. Unfortunately, that's not one of Ohio's laws. Are you so eloquently, as you so eloquently said, and I put in two paragraphs prior, um, huh. Anyway, um, I'm just going to ignore that last part. I don't know what that's saying. But again, I love you, Leah. Um, just definitely try to figure this out. Okay, I think, I, okay. I think I get what you're saying. So I think, and again, when you're debating, if you don't understand what the person is saying, ask them to clarify. Because if you ask them to clarify, they have to say it more clearly, right? If, if, if someone's trying to be, and I don't think that's what Ali is doing here at all. I'm just, just made me think of it. If someone is being intentionally vague, force them to be clear. Force them to say what they actually mean. Because sometimes when they, they, they try to, they don't actually kind of believe what they're saying. They'll kind of like say it in these broad terms with just big words and things like that, but that don't actually, um, they don't actually like really understand or really, and again, I'm not accusing Lee of doing this. It just came to my mind, but they don't really understand or really process what they're saying. So force them to be more clear. A hundred percent. You should always do that. It's very important. Um, but further, I guess I'll just address the further traumatizing issue in general, because I'm not sure the exact question, but in terms of that, people like to use that argument a lot, and it's a good, it's because it's a good one. I mean, I've already said my opinion on, like, people using the rape argument. I've, I've given that, before, I've said that many times. My opinion on people bringing up the rape argument, you all know what I say about that, but let's just ignore that for a second. People bringing up this argument, and again, because, first of all, it's emotional, and this is a good debate strategy is bringing up emotion really gets people going, right? This is true even if it's not a debate in a speech, which a speech is essentially the same thing, right? Your goal is persuasion. Um, but bringing up emotions, it's good because it's you, how do you argue with that, you know? How do you – because it makes you seem like the cruel one, right? Um, and this is something that – I feel like I'm just, this isn't even so related, but I'm just thinking of it now. You have, when you are having these discussions, you have to have compassion. And I know it's, it seems like a mushy left-leaning thing to say, no, you, no matter what is happening, you have to show that you feel it emotionally, that you are compassionate and you're not cold, cold hearted and just emotionless. So when someone brings up the rape argument, obviously we have our different arguments that we use, but you have to show compassion for the victims or you lose automatically, pretty much. If you don't 
say that you feel bad if you don't say genuinely that this that all that that this is terrible thing that happened right if you don't say any of that you pretty much just lost you pretty much just threw your whole argument away because everyone turned off when you didn't automatic immediately show an emotional attachment to it everyone turned off and they stopped listening to you that's just the honest to god truth so after that after you clearly show an emotional connection not a fake one a real one obviously we all care about this a lot we all care about these women immensely so you have to show that but once you do that then you can kind of go into your counterpoints and those preferably should also be based in it framed in a compassionate way so what i would say and this is an argument i've used many times um because it is a compassionate one which i think the left is more inclined to become attached to is you're saying further traumatizing, carrying the pregnancy will further traumatize them, but will abortion not further traumatize them? I don't, I think that people don't realize how often women regret abortions. First of all, how often women are coerced into abortions by boyfriends, parents, husbands, right? People, they're so often coerced into them and that you can imagine we'll leave, it, leave them with a tremendous amount of guilt after the fact. They're lied to. Nine out of ten women who see an ultrasound before their abortion choose life. Right? So if they're, they're lied to, they're told it's a clump of cells. You can imagine that if they were to find out the truth afterward, that would come with an immense amount of guilt. But assuming that abortion will fix their trauma or not worsen their trauma and not cause them to feel more guilty is simply not true. Often it does. So if your argument is, the, is on the basis that we don't want to further traumatize them, the abortion argument doesn't work because that also further traumatizes them many times. You know, for each successive abortion that a woman, and again, you want to have these stats on hand. I personally have a lot of these on hand because I've just heard these arguments over and over again, but you want to have as much information as possible. This is something that people often think that like, oh, when you're debating, like, just get the facts you need, you'll be fine. No, 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 no. You want every single possible fact you can have i've done one debate like in school right i've done debates like over text over voice note you get the idea at the lunch table (laughs) but debating like in class in a formal setting with like having to do research and stuff i've done once i did it on free speech i had and we didn't get to pick sides so i had to debate pro censorship and we did tons shout out to adasa we did tons of research, pages and pages and pages and pages of research to the point where it was like ridiculous we're not even going to use half of this but it ended up being incredible because when you have more information than you need you have anything on hand you could possibly need you will have there was not one time where i was like shoot i don't have the information to back this up you have information to back it up you're able to just have anything you need so when you're going into a debate always you do more research rather than less. Better to have and not need than to need and not have. 100% in this case. So, but what I was saying before, <laughs> with each successive abortion, I'm going to go on a lot of tangents on this. With each successive abortion, a woman is more likely to be suicidal. Because it, it really, it, people will say it's just the easy way out. It is not. It is not the compassionate thing to tell women to, to have abortions. Not at all. And suggesting that it is is kind of disingenuous but also just part of the course with this general narrative of just you can do it and not and be fine so that's that okay now we address the illegal immigrant part because this 
alleged rapist was an illegal immigrant, so I did bring that up in my, my discussion. Not the illegal immigrants. The only side at fault is the people who support abortion bans, which you, what? Okay, no. Which you guessed it are mostly Republicans. No, 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 Because we have to, this is two words the left loves to throw around, which we've, on the right, have started using, but now that we've started using them, the left are starting to veer away from them. Those two words are root causes. By root causes, we mean you can't just say, well, it is never just a blanket, easy, easy one solution. Never. Never is it like that. You can never attribute something to one issue. Never. You cannot, and this is kind of my, it's funny because this is my whole point when I brought up that case in the second episode, I explained why he was even talking about it. Because people were just chalking it up to one issue, to abortion or to illegal immigrants, the left and right exist. Um, left and right bringing up both of those things exclusively, pretty much. And I was saying, no, no, you have to do both. Because you can't just say it's an abortion. Why don't we... You can't just say that it is just abortion that we should be addressed. We shouldn't... So you're saying we shouldn't be addressing immigration? We shouldn't be addressing the epidemic of child abuse in this country? Of course we should. We should also be addressing abortion. I'm, and it, it, I'm the one kind of going toward the middle here and saying that we have to address all of it. Y- you cannot say that we should just, as long as the abortions are legal, it's fine if kids get raped. It's fine if legal immigrants come into this country illegally, obviously. No, 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 no. You have to address all of it. And again, be honest when you're having these debates. Do not, like, this really applies to both sides. But again, do not just say that there's only one side to it. No, you have to address all the, the the facets and all the different aspects of this. So quickly to address them, I will because I'm very passionate about these topics. Um, U.S. has the biggest market for sex trafficking for child exploitation in the world. Our southern border has also been deemed the most dangerous border in the world. And we're a first world country, supposedly. This is absurd. So saying that those aren't issues that we have to address also and that it's just the abortion that's the only issue in this case is just simply not true and it's asinine to suggest that of course we have to address these other issues and I'm very passionate about both of those things about uh, you, you heard my spiel from episode one on the border maybe you didn't go listen to it now please my spiel on the border crisis in episode one at the end maybe you didn't get to the end it was kind of long but please please listen to it please watch the documentary that I talked about American Mirage Lauren Southern on YouTube free suggesting that that isn't an issue we have to address too the fact that there are gang members coming over this border convicted criminals coming over this border of course we have to address that too of course we have to address the continued normalization of sexualizing children suggesting that those are not issues that will have have an effect on cases like this and that will I guess, that, that will cause more cases like this, God forbid, to happen, suggesting that those cases are, those issues are irrelevant is disingenuous. So that's that. Next, we talk about trans. Okay, I could talk about the trans meme for hours, so I'll keep that for when you might be on your podcast. I want you on my podcast. The reason I haven't had many guests, to be honest, is because after episode one, it was just very, the audio quality wasn't that good, it just wasn't, you know, you all heard the audio quality, it wasn't great. So I'm working on definitely, for now, I've just been trying to get, get kind of get used to this whole podcasting thing. 
um, by myself and then I'm going to hopefully get some better some better software get better at this and have you on the podcast Alia we are going to debate I promise it's gonna be great um next we have <laughs> oh I'm laughing because I love you Alia but we've debated this issue so many times um raising women issue because I know your thoughts on gender um so that's why I'm laughing now laughing at you just laughing because we've debated this 500 times but I'm gonna read it for the audience erasing women good women should be erased not only should women be erased but non-binary and men should be erased as well every single stereotype propaganda and I would go so far as to say the biological aspect of them should be erased too the only thing the word woman and man is doing is fitting people into boxes based on their genitalia sexualizing infants from birth uh, okay got a lot to say about that and of course being labeled a man slash woman has consequences for the rest of their life the fact that pink is for girls and blue is for boys is just one example of how how something so it ends there I'm gonna kind of extrapolate what you meant by that which i know your argument already so should be fine okay so this is something that i guess I, I've heard you, I haven't heard many people make this argument actually on either side. Um, I've, I've heard people on the right make the argument of a gender abolition argument that we should just go off of sex and forget this whole gender stuff, which I agree with. Um, I think sex and gender should be the same. Um, that's a right leaning argument. I haven't heard people on the left go for the whole, I've heard some feminists who actually people would label, people who you would typically label as TERFs. Um, kind of make the argument that, um, that, you know, having these people, putting these people in boxes is bad, whatever. I've heard that argument, but, um, I haven't really heard this specific argument besides from Malia that we should just completely get rid of those categories. Everyone can just be an individual and it doesn't matter. Their body doesn't matter anything. They're, everyone's just an individual with no labels at all. And the most, I guess, important counterpoint I can make to that is that it denies science and I know the left loves saying you're a science denier you are not following the science but I'm actually saying right now that that is denying science and here's why okay people and this I guess really is just part of the course of the postmodernist movement this this postmodernist era that we're in where we're just overdoing it like we we came full circle and we just kept going around and around and around and we're right back to where we like ray primitive where we started like people got so open-minded their brains fell out and here's what i mean by that for since the beginning of time right male and female have been distinct categories that were very different from each other women and men had different proclivities had different strengths had different abilities and it is because of that that we have been able to thrive suggests that it has been the fact that men and women are two distinct categories with different roles and of course you can do what you want I don't care but denying that there are different categories that exist and that those categories very often correlate with someone's biology meaning most men are are very mask are are masculine to some degree I think people are becoming more feminine our men are becoming more and more feminized which is terrible um, and our women are becoming, um, have, most women are feminine, right? As a general rule. 
if you're talking about like temperament like typically like nine out of ten men will have like a more masculine temperament and like nine out of ten women will have a a feminine temperament and then like one in ten so like ten percent would have like the opposite but majority of biological male and I don't like the term biological males because it's redundant male is biologically male and female is biologically female but majority of males are masculine majority of females are feminine and if you're an exception go be an exception live your life but as the general rule males with their typically masculine traits right aggressiveness and used in the right way right this kind of desire to do things to get up and build things um being providers and these more female typically female traits right being more nurturing being more I guess compassionate more social and again if you're an exception be an exception I don't care but denying that though those there's a correlation there that it's not just a coincidence that most people who have male bodies act like men most people who have female bodies act like females did not act like women <laughs> denying that there's no correlation there is just going against science and the fact that there is a court now we've, we've established that we've established that there is a correlation and I feel so silly even saying this because it's obvious but not really anymore we've gotten past that point again postmodernism has been terrible um <laughs> but now now that we've established that the fact that there is a correlation the fact that most that there are men who act masculine most of the time and females who act feminine most of the time that must necessarily be important that must necessarily be serve a purpose right I guess, and I guess you can really just, there's so many arguments for this, but thinking about it like this, I guess women, biological females, right? Women, females, you know, you know, give birth. Men are more physically strong. Those are two key elements of people who have female bodies, who have male bodies. And I'm using those terms just to kind of, I guess, appeal to this argument that we should just get rid of those categories. But if you think about it, that makes perfect sense because women are more, most women are naturally nurturing, are, are nurturing as part of their nature. And most men are very aggressive, are very go out and do things, right? So it's not a coincidence that the people who are nurturing can have the kids and can nurse the kids. And it's not a coincidence that the people who are strong and can lift things and can go out to war are, have more of a desire to do that. And again, if you are an exception, I've said this 500 times, but go live your life as an exception. I don't care. But these biological realities are, are, are around and are scientifically there for a reason. Because men and women typically play certain roles. And that's not saying that we should be forcing people to play those roles. If there's a boy who likes playing with dolls, I mean it's your kid you know whatever let them do what they want most of them will grow out of these phases if it's a girl who's more of a tomboy and who doesn't really want or even if it's a woman doesn't really want to have kids what are we going to do about it let them do what they want but that doesn't mean undo the whole system (laughs) you can have exceptions but undoing systems that have worked since the beginning of time and have allowed society to flourish, it is because of masculinity and femininity playing certain roles. And again, I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying you can't be an exception. But it's because 
most men, most women have played certain roles that we've gotten to the point where we're at. If there were no men, we'd probably be in a lot worse place right now. And if there were no women, again, obviously there were no one to be here without either of them. But in denying that fact, if there was no strong masculine presence in in history, yeah, we'd have a lot less bloodshed. We've also had, we'd also have a lot less thriving in society, right? Most people who go out to war are men. Most people who do dangerous jobs are men. And that is important. Men have built, and again, I'm not saying no women have done this, but men have fought our wars. They built our bridges, you know? And that's because of this natural proclivity of men to do those types of jobs, to do dangerous jobs, to be coal miners, to go to war. And again, throughout history, right, we've seen this manifest itself in different ways. Used to be, we used to have wars a lot more often. You used to have to go out and hunt. And feminine energy, females, the women who have had traditionally like feminine, I guess, roles, we also wouldn't be where we are without women. It goes the same way. Without women, who know, people would, everyone would start killing each other, you know, but it's women who are the compassionate, more compassionate, who will, I guess, have, hold, have a balance to this Again, and that's why men, men and women complement each other so well. We balance that more aggressive type of energy. We raise children. We build communities. We build families. We, we advocate for things that we're passionate about because they affect our families and they affect communities. And we're, we're more into people. This is a key distinction between men and women. And again, I feel like I'm a broken record, but I, this doesn't mean I'm saying you have to. But generally, men, men are more interested in things and activities, you know, and women are more interested in people. And again, those serve purposes, as I've outlined, in society. So erasing the categories that have allowed us to thrive, and I'm not saying that there have been downsides of both, of course there have, but it's a general rule. We've gotten pretty far because of these things. We've gotten to where we are now, which even if you say that our country's not doing so well right now, as a general rule, we're we're flourishing in the 21st century, technologically, in terms of our government, and that is because of these roles. And if you were to argue, oh, we don't have to like have those roles at all. No, these are important things. And this is really, I guess, something that I guess if you're a liberal, you won't agree with. But the typical kind of a fundamental aspect of conservatism is if there is an, like, I guess, okay, let me, the difference between, the, between conservatives and leftists, and I'm saying leftists, not liberals for a reason, but the left is very much into tear down the institution because we need to tear down the institution because it's a historical institution and we want to tear it down because we want to build something else. Conservatives are more to the part of that we should not tear down an institution unless there is a reason to. The fact, beca- simply because it exists. If it exists, there's a good chance it works. So unless there's a good reason, a moral reason, a logical reason to tear down that specific institution, we should not be tearing down that specific institution. Whereas leftists are more into like, tear it down and we'll figure it out later. Tear it down and then we'll explain to you why we should tear it down. That was not my microphone. That was a different microphone that fell. Um, we're all good. But, so I guess that's my, an argument that's not really going to work so well in liberals. This idea that like, we shouldn't tear it down because, we shouldn't tear it down because um, we, we shouldn't tear it down. Because it has existed and ought to continue to exist. So I guess an argument won't work so well. But another argument that would work is that 
when you raise children without any rules. Rules can be overbearing. There can be can be excessive. But as a general rule, having structure, having rules, having truth and guidelines for a child to live by, having a creed, tenets for them to live by, that is incredibly important for children. Letting children just be free reign and not have any rules, not have any standards, feel like they have no structure in their life is completely detrimental to their development. And it doesn't mean forcing them to wear pink if they're a girl and blue if they're a boy. No, but telling them you are a girl and you can do what you want with that information. But you are a girl and that is a structure that is a part of your life. In whatever way you want to interpret that. Giving them that structure. Explain to them the way society is, right? Even if they want to live outside of that. Having these structures and these rules and these, I guess, I guess ways of understanding themselves in the world is really important for kids. We've seemed to think that just raising a child, like, this is kind of, I guess, this is this just trend, which is horrifying. This trend of raising children as non-binary, raising children as babies until they tell you their gender. Letting kids just have no rules have no way of understanding themselves, just being this blob in the universe with nothing concrete to, 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 to understand about themselves, is terrible for them. It's, it's really, and it's, it's frustrating because as conservatives, we, we have our other reasons, but it's, it's abusive to children. And it, it's confusing to them because they need structure, they need rules, and you can say that this system is oppressive and that it's oppressive to children to put them into a gender binary and to put them into a category. But not putting them into a category? And you can argue that there are some aspects of society and the implications of being a girl or a boy that are detrimental, right? The expectations put on certain, on certain like men, men or women to achieve certain things, you know. Some expectations are good and pressure is good. But some are bad, you know, and I think we should acknowledge that. Um, but like body standards, things like, I mean, obviously we should have some body standards, but I think you can argue that over time we've kind of gone a little bit far with that. But besides for that, having a general structure for a child and having, again, whatever you think about the societal implications of that is your own opinion. But having some kind of structure for these kids is incredibly, incredibly important because kids are so easily malleable. They are so easily influenced. And just not giving them something they can understand and just having them just figure everything, everything out on their own, they're going to be influenced in wrong ways. They'll, they'll think that they are... And again, you want to get rid of these categories entirely. At the end of the day, that's not ever going to happen. So if you were to suggest that, you know, raising kids without any gender at all is just the best way to do it, then they're going to have adults in their life telling them that they, and again, you're saying that you want to get rid of gender entirely, but that's never going to happen. You're going to have, you know, then they're going to, let's say, we're seeing it now where children are literally getting their body parts cut off because they think they're the other gender because they're so malleable because kids need structure. So, and if you think it's not happening, it is 
100% happening and it will continue to happen. Having 12-year-old girls, 13, 14, 15, 16, having double mastectomies, children being castrated because they're confused and the adults around them are abusive and are confusing them. Children need structure. They need rules. And again, the societal implications of that are separate, but just universal truths that they can understand about the world around them and about themselves and their bodies and who they are. That is not wrong. In fact, it is essential for their development. And I'm not a psychologist, but I also know that there, there is a reason that we have two categories Denying that those two categories should be categories that are meaningful and important is, again, denying science. Because if there is a distinction, that distinction ought to be discussed and is there for a reason. That is it. Um, <laughs> this was fun. Um, and again, if you disagree with me, I'm more than happy to debate you. I'm, I doesn't mean I dislike you when I get very passionate I can be, I think it can kind of be taken the wrong way. Is like, oh, she's yelling at me. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm not yelling at you. But, like, just in, just in general. I'm not yelling at Aaliyah. I'm not yelling at anyone who disagrees with me. I'm very passionate. We all know that. But I think it's so important to have these debates and have these conversations because so many people are just unwilling to have these debates. They're just yelling over each other's heads. And it's not productive. Or they're just calling. And I just saw. It's funny. I just saw um, a gut-filled monologue on this from today so thursday um about just calling the other side evil and how unproductive that is because i think a lot of people on both sides make that mistake of calling the other side just evil i mean what we see on the left you know they'll call you racist homophobic sexist xenophobic transphobic white supremacist you get the idea and on the left we'll just say you know they want to kill babies they they are evil they're demons they're you know all these things and it's not productive on either side because if you really talk to people on the other side, you'll there are some crazies on both sides, but you will often find that they're more rational in that they're more willing to discuss and they are more open-minded than you think. So these discussions are so important. If you want to meet a, de- not debunk, but I mean, you know, if you want me to, to de- react to your counterpoints to anything I said on any episode, you know, or an email prepare to turn right podcast at gmail.com be more than happy to do another episode on this and i hope that was i hope that was interesting um that's it for today i know i didn't really cover news i've got another uh, more news of course there's always news um so i'm definitely gonna do more like that more things like this let me know what you'd want to hear and i hope you all have a great day evening night whatever And that's about it. Bye, guys. Thanks for turning right.